coming and joining us. Uh, as you look around the church this morning, you might uh, see a few folks that are missing. Um, that's not because they decided to sleep in. It's not because they uh, decided to go on vacation. Uh, but there is a group of teens and the young adult class uh, who were invited down to Dolphin to uh, Dale and Sharon Warners. And so there's a group of young folks that are down in Dolphin this morning. Uh, they're having their own church service uh, in their house. They're going to do a little few things, I think, by the river because they're right alongside the river. Um, so when you look around and you don't see the young folks, that's where they are. Uh, so having said all of that, uh, the church service will be a little bit different, uh, specifically the music. Uh, there's no microphone set up. Now, if you would like for me to play guitar and drums this morning and lead you in those choruses, no, no, that ain't going to work. Um, but we're going to go back. Uh, I say back because years ago, uh, there are some old choruses we used to sing. And I used to be able to actually lead those, and I'm going to lead some of those this morning. So um, you just sit back and you enjoy uh, your time this morning. Now, a couple of announcements I do need to make this morning. Uh, there will be Junior Church today. Unlike what you see in the bulletin, Junior Church canceled. Um, just forget that. Uh, after the song, Thou Didst Leave Thy Throne, all of you in Junior Church can go to your classes. Now, you look at that song and you say to yourself, that's a song we sing at Christmas. Well, that's true. But I think when we get into the sermon, you understand why I chose this song. Uh, God leaving his throne and coming to earth. We also need to announce this morning that um, Claudia Pritchard's father passed away yesterday morning. Uh, his name was Lee Whitaker, and um, he had been sick for quite some time. And so uh, pray for that family, the Pritchard family. Um, he knew the Lord, and he's with the Lord now. He was 96 years old, 96, and the Lord took him home yesterday morning. So pray for the Pritchards, and um, I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Don't forget also the church picnic coming up very end of the month on August the 27th. If you haven't signed up already, please uh, do that. Also, Awana is coming up short, quickly. Uh, and um, if you can help in the food ministry, um, please see Kim Booker. Um, she needs help, and um, I'm sure she would appreciate your help. Also, there's a Lifeline Banquet on Monday, October the 9th. Now, this is the annual fundraising banquet. Uh, we do have free tickets, first come, first serve. Uh, two have already been taken. There's still six left, uh, so you need to see Debbie Markle if you want to go to that banquet. Um, Kathy has an announcement that she would like to make at this time. wanted to just encourage you to be here next Sunday to hear Melissa Morgan. She is the daughter of um, Brooke and Jeanette Morgan, uh, Morrison, I said Morgan, Morrison. Um, Brooke and Jeanette Morrison with Child Evangelism Fellowship. Brooke comes and speaks a lot of times um, with us and their uh, oldest daughter is planning on going on a missions trip um, out to 
Minneapolis, Minnesota to uh, minister to Muslim women and children out there. So she's going to be with us next Sunday morning. We're going to put the white box out, right? Um, she's going to be looking for people to help her financially. Uh, I think the commitment right now is just for nine months, but she went to school um, at Appalachian uh, Bible College and took a lot of mission courses while she was there. So missions is very near and dear on her heart. She's been out of the country two different times. And as she was praying about where could she uh, minister when she graduated, a, um, a woman who was already out working with these Muslim women contacted her and asked her whether she would come alongside her and come out there and do that with her. So. Um, I, I think I'm very excited for her as a young person. I'm so excited that we have young people who are excited about missions and are involved in it right now. And so I'd like to see us, you know, be able to come along and support her as well. Um, but I just want to give you a heads up. She's going to be here next Sunday just to share about her ministry, what she's going to be doing. And, um, and I wanted you to be aware of that so that you could come prepared too if you want to support her. Thank you. All right, now if you would stand up, please, and um, you follow along. Uh, some of these I think you'll know. Uh, maybe some of these, some of these uh, sources you don't know, but um, I hope you can learn them uh, with us this morning. The lyrics are on the screen behind me. Uh, we're going to start with, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord.
name is on high. So our next song is He is Exalted. sit down, turn to someone, and say how glad you are that they're sitting beside you.
Well, as I mentioned, we do certainly want to keep before the Lord our um, Claudia Pritzard and uh, her family at this time, even though, uh, you know, they knew that this day was, was coming and coming soon. Um, it's never easy to prepare yourself uh, to lose a loved one. So, Father, as we come before your throne of grace, we thank you, Lord, that we can find comfort and help in times of need. We thank you, Lord, that you are there sitting on that throne. That, Father, you are a God who rules and reigns and is control of, in control of all things, even life and death. Father, we would want it no other way. You always do what's right. You always do what is perfect. And so we thank you that you now, Lord, have ushered Lee Whitaker into your presence. You've taken him home to be with yourself. But we do ask that you might grant to Claudia and other family members the peace that passes all understanding. That, Lord, the comfort that you have promised to give would rest upon them. Watch over them during this time of preparation for the funeral and all of those things that need to be done. We just commit this family entirely to you. And pray, Lord, that they might hang on to the great hope that has been given to us, found in the scriptures, that to be absent from this body is to be in your very presence. Father, we also know that there are many others who are going through some difficult times right now. Lord, we know that um, there are those on this list in front of us, this prayer ministry list, that are um, suffering and going through trials and tribulations. We again, we commit each one, Lord, into your care, that you, Lord, might watch over them, that they might know how much you love them and how much you care about each one. And so we cast care upon you, burdens, knowing how much you care for us. Father, we pray for the group now that is away from us, uh, the group now that is meeting at the Warners. Father, as they're having their own church service, as they're singing their own songs and hearing their own sermons, we thank you, Lord, for this change to be able to just break away for a Sunday morning and do something a little different. Uh, we pray that all goes well. Father, they might be experiencing your presence uh, even in the uh, atmosphere of a home and not a sanctuary. And so we pray for those that are there. We pray that, uh, Lord, you might reach into their hearts as we ask that you would reach into ours. Father, open them to receive the good word of God. Father, Father, we thank you that you brought us together this morning. We thank you that we can come here into this place. Lord, this is your house. And we thank you, Lord, that when we come together, you have promised to be there in our midst. So help us to experience your presence, to feel your presence. Father, we know the scriptures are clear that you are here. So help us to acknowledge that. Help us to know that in a practical way. And feel, Lord, your presence here. 
move into our lives, I pray. Change us. For, Father, we need to be changed. You're far from us in the sense of holiness and righteousness. And yet you have instructed us to be holy as you are holy and to be righteous as you are righteous. Father, that seems like an impossible task. And we know that, Father, in this life we'll never uh, reach that uh, place. But help us to strive. Help us to have a desire to be like you. And so, Father, as a result of our time this morning, in this place, having singing these songs and uh, having fellowship with one another and listening to your word, I pray that we might move a little closer to becoming like Jesus. Remove the distractions, Lord. I know we come with so much baggage, but I pray, Lord, that you might hold back the hand of the evil one so that, Lord, your spirit might have free course and be glorified. Again, for the time you've given us this morning, we thank you. Lord, this is where the body of Christ meets. We are your family. We are the family of God. But if perhaps, Lord, there's someone who is not quite sure about their relationship with you, not quite sure about this whole salvation and grace and mercy, what all of that means, Father, today might be the day when they understand that it's Jesus alone that saves. It's his blood alone that cleanses us from all sin. It is Jesus' death on the cross that brings about eternal life. Lord, there is no other way. So I pray that your spirit might work in that way as well to move a heart bring that heart to salvation in Jesus. So you've given us a great morning, and we pray that it might continue. We acknowledge, Lord, your greatness. We acknowledge, Lord, you're the sovereign God of the universe. We acknowledge, Father, that you are our great and mighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, no, it's not Christmas in August. But take your hymn books and turn with me to hymn number 124, Thou Dost Leave Thy Throne. Leonard's going to come and lead us in this hymn. Okay. I'd like to stand with me as we sing this together. And then, like Pastor said, those in junior church can be dismissed. 124. <laughs> leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thy comest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem home there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room 
So, if I were to ask you this question, and I will, uh, how would you answer it? How would you describe yourself in one word? If I asked you to describe yourself in one word, what would that one word be? Some of you might say, I'm a father. I'm a good cook. I'm an engineer. I'm a teacher, I'm an American, I'm a homemaker. What one word would you use to describe yourself? You know, the way you answer that is significant because it reveals what personal attributes you consider central to your identity. The authors of the New Testament as they would write their letters, they always would describe themselves in one word. They called themselves servants. Let me show you a couple verses to explain that. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. James, in his book, he said, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And Jude, 
a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Each of these men call themselves servants. They were servants first. Paul didn't say Paul a teacher. Or James didn't say James a Christian or Jude a disciple of Jesus. But they all describe themselves with this word servant. So what does that tell us? It tells us that they considered their status as servants to be the most significant aspect of their identity as followers of Christ. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we are servants first and foremost. The idea of servanthood was at the center of their thinking. So what does that mean to us? What does it mean to us this morning to be a servant of Jesus Christ, to be a servant of the church, to be a servant of one another? What does that look like, and what does that mean? How, how do you like being called a servant? If to you, is that something positive or something negative? I'm a servant of other people. You know, there was a hotel in New York City, and in this hotel, they had um, great service. As a matter of fact, they prided themselves in outstanding service to their guests. Whether it was a bellboy or a maid or the front desk. But during training sessions, as these would come into the training session, they were told this, you are not servants. You are ladies and gentlemen who serve ladies and gentlemen. In their mind, to be a servant was a negative thing. In their minds, a servant meant you have no dignity. A servant meant you have no sense of worth. As a servant, you're looked down upon by other people and not to be respected. When you think of being a servant, is that a negative thing for you? Or is that something positive? You know, customer service today is not always the best. I don't know if you've ever called customer service about an issue you had with something. And I know it wasn't too long ago we had called someone and, you know, the lady on the end of the phone was, was not very polite. As a matter of fact, she was downright rude. But I think it's human nature, is it not? It's human nature to not want to serve people, but to be served. My wife and I go away on vacation. We'll often say, where do you want to eat? Well, we want to go somewhere where they serve us. We want to be served. We just want to sit down and have someone else bring us the food. According to the world's values, no one in their right mind would, would choose to be a servant if they didn't need to be. If it wasn't out of necessity, who would voluntarily take upon themselves the role of a servant. But I know one man who did. 
His name's Jesus. You see, the Bible says that Jesus came not to be served, but Jesus came to serve. Not out of necessity, but out of love. A man who willingly came from heaven to earth, from exaltation to humiliation, from God to man, in order to serve others. And we have an example found in Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. I want us to look at Philippians chapter 2 because we're given the mindset or the attitude of Jesus as it relates to serving other people. And this is the attitude that we need to adopt. As hard as it may be, we are to have the attitude of Jesus himself. You see, the God of the universe loved us so much one day that he stepped out of heaven taking upon himself the nature of a servant. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross." Paul begins in verse 5 by saying, this should be our same attitude. The same attitude that Jesus had should be our attitude as it relates to our relationships with one another. So what was his attitude? Well, first of all, it was a humble attitude. It was a humble attitude. I want to focus on verse 8 this morning. Because these attitudes of Jesus are found in this verse. It says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Now, we need to understand something as we read this. Because this is a great theological passage relating to the incarnation. Right? That's why we sang that song. Uh, God went from the throne to earth. And this is a great passage that deals with that. But it only deals with the incarnation in relationship to relationships. Because it begins in verse 5, in your relationships with one another. And then Jesus is used as that great example of humility. That God did become man. That God went from exaltation to humiliation. From a king to a servant. Not out of necessity. But out of love. God chose to come into our world. 
He made himself, it says in verse 7, of no reputation. He made himself nothing. He emptied himself. Literally, it says God, God emptied himself. Now, don't ever think that he emptied himself of his Godhead or of deity or his divinity. Jesus, as he walked here on earth, was God in flesh. What he emptied himself of was the glory, the exaltation that he had in heaven, that great honor to come to earth as a servant. Not out of necessity, but he made himself. Jesus chose to be humble. He chose to become nothing. He chose to steep, stoop to human level. He chose to do that to take upon that role. It's called humility to be like Jesus. And I suppose, and perhaps the greatest act of humility, apart from the cross, here on earth, was when Jesus Christ himself, when he took a towel, and he tied that towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin, and he kneeled down, and started washing the feet of his disciples. And then he said, now you go and do the same thing. You go, pick up a towel, and start serving others. Now that's the attitude of Jesus. And that's the attitude that we need to have. Because Paul says in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, in my relationship with you, and your relationship with me, our relationships with one another, we are to have this attitude of humility, of service to one another. But we see another attitude in verse 8. It's an obedient attitude. It says in verse 8, by becoming obedient to death. This word obey is actually the word, uh, or it comes from a word to hear or to listen. The same word is used over in Ephesians chapter 6, where it says, children, obey your parents. Children, listen to your parents, hear what they have to say, and do what they have to say. Obedience comes from the word to hear or to listen. It's a response to someone in higher authority. Children, children, obey your parents. Well, who was Jesus' higher authority? Well, there certainly was only one, and that was his Father in heaven. And although equal, because it says here that he did not consider equality with God, he certainly was God in flesh, but he was always submissive to his Father's will. He always did what his father wanted him to do. He always pleased his father. Even when at times Jesus' desire was different than his father's. In Gethsemane, for example, you remember when Jesus prayed out to his father and said, if there's any way possible, take this cup from me. He knew the suffering was coming. He knew there was torture on the horizon. He knew what kind of death he was going to uh, 
uh, he was going to die, that on the cross. He knew all of that. And so he comes before his father and says, if there's any way possible, take this cup of suffering away from me. But then he goes on to say, but it's not my will. That's my will. It's not my will. But Father, let your will be done. He was always obedient to his father. Always submissive to his father. A couple of weeks ago, Gary Pritchard, uh, in Sunday school, he walked us through the Gospel of John. And there in the Gospel of John, um, there are so many references to the fact that Jesus submitted his will to the will of the Father. Let me just point out a couple of those. For example, in John chapter 6 and verse 38, uh, it says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And in John chapter 4 and verse 34, My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And verse after verse after verse through the Gospel of John, we read this same idea. That Jesus always did the Father's will. He was submissive and obedient to the will of his Father. He had an obedient attitude. You know, it's hard enough to imagine. It's hard enough to imagine that God should come and take on flesh. The incarnation... That's such an amazing truth that God should come into our world, that he should give up all of that glory to come here. But it's also difficult to imagine Jesus agreeing to experience the death on a cross that Jesus should volunteer to do that. A servant's attitude is an attitude of obedience. Jesus always obeyed his Father. He wanted to please his Father in every way. And so he did the work that his Father sent him to do. We're to be humble, and we're to be obedient to the will of God. Back in the book of James, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, we have a passage, we have a chapter that is devoted to the submission of ourselves to God. That we are to submit ourselves as Jesus submitted himself to his Father. So we too are to be submissive and obedient to the Father's will in everything, in every way. And so we read in chapter 4 of James in verse 13, it says, Now listen, you who say, <laughs> and we've all said this, maybe not in these exact words, but you know, we, we, we plan our lives without including God. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, and we'll spend a year there. We'll carry on business, and we'll make money. Now, why do you not even know 
What, no, wait, let me back up. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, here's what you ought to say. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Right? We, we often make plans, right? We often do those things. And we don't include God in them. But instead, James is telling us, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know what an hour from now is going to bring. And because our life is short and it's like vanishes like a mist, we need to include God in our plans. So, uh, when you are deciding on whether or not to take that new job or not, you need to say, if the Lord wills. Now, maybe you won't say that out loud, but you need to have the attitude that if God wills, I will take that new job. I'm going to college this fall. Uh, you need to say to yourself, if the Lord wills, I will go to this college or I will go to that college. Um, you're dating a young girl and you are thinking of marriage and you need to say to yourself, now if God wills, I will choose this girl. But if not, I will choose someone else. I've got an old car in the garage needs needs to be traded in on something. If God wills, I'll trade this car in on a new car. In all of life, in all of our plans and everything we do, we must include God in it. That's being obedient. That's an obedient attitude. Submitting ourselves to the will of God as Jesus did. As he said, Father, take this, but not my will, but thine be done. An attitude of humility, an attitude of obedience. And then we come back to Philippians chapter 2. And before we move away from this second point, look at what it says here in Philippians chapter 2. And verse 2. He says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. This word like-minded, the NIV study Bible says, it's the common disposition to work together and to serve one another. We're to be working together and we're to be serving one another. The NIV Study Bible also has another footnote on the passage that I read. It said, Christian love sees others as worthy of preferential treatment. Christian love sees others as worthy of preferential treatment. We are to be serving one another in love. This is God's command to us. We are to be serving one another 
each other in love and treating one another, as it says, even better and valuing them above ourselves. That's God's will. And we need to be obedient to that will. He doesn't stop there with this idea of attitude because he goes on to say that we need to have a sacrificial attitude. Uh, again, looking at verse 8, at the end, even death on a cross. Even, not just any death. Not just any death. This is death on a cross. Death on a cross. And I believe this little word even is important, which stresses the totality and the climax of Jesus' obedience. He was obedient even, even to the death on a cross. And it was there that Jesus put others first. Have you ever thought, what was in this for Jesus? And humanly speaking, there was nothing in this for Jesus. Oh, I know, it goes on to say in verse 9, God highly exalted him and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. But that's just a restoration of where Jesus was before. There was nothing humanly speaking in the cross for Jesus. He was doing it for us. He did it for mankind. He did it for the world in order that they might be saved <coughs> and have eternal life. So, Jesus came to serve and not to be served. We read in Matthew chapter 20, he came to serve and not be served and give his life as a ransom. That's the ultimate sacrifice, to lay down your life for someone, to lay down your life for your friends. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, now, if anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and then follow me. The Christian life as we serve others, it's not merely a life of inconvenience, but rather death to self, death to self-centeredness, death to our personal desires, self-denial, complete dedication, and willing obedience. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a servant. It's to serve others. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about others. And we have been placed here to serve one another. Consider others above ourselves. To see others, as one translation states, better than ourselves. 
to set aside our wills in obedience to the will of God our Father. So, check your attitude. What kind of attitude do you have when it comes to other people? Do you have a servant's heart? Do you have a heart that says, I want to help that person. I want to do this for you. I'm going to go out of my way to help you in this matter. Do you have a humble attitude? A humble attitude toward others. Remember, this whole passage, as theological as it is, it's about relationships. It's giving us this example of Jesus, who was humble and obedient, always did the Father's will. The Father's will for you is to serve others out of love and sacrificial. You know, life sometimes is inconvenient. I'll go out of my way to do this for you. But we're going even further than that. It means making sacrifices. Making sacrifices. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this for you. I really don't have time today, but I'm going to obey God. I really don't have the money right now to help, but I'm going to find money to do that. It's a sacrificial attitude. So what does your attitude look like? Are you humble? Are you obedient? Are you sacrificial? Father, we come before you this morning, and boy, it's hard sometimes to follow the footsteps of Jesus. Father, we know what your son did. We know that he came. We know of his obedience. We know of his great sacrifice. Father, as we prayed before earlier in this service, help us to become more like Jesus. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we have another course we're going to close with, and it's the uh, course, Make Me a Servant Humble and Meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak, and may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant, make me a servant, make me a servant today. Let's stand together. We'll sing this and will be dismissed. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant, make me a servant, make me a servant today. Father, that's the prayer of our heart, that you might make us like Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen.